1: And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, today we're going to have our second part of our shared goals. I started this a couple of weeks ago, and uh, so we're, we we started off with uh, the first six of the our shared goals, and we're going to do the last six today, so a total of 12. And I did that here on Sunday morning for the North Valley Congregation, and we've um, Sue McLeod put together these wonderful bookmarks to help bring them to, keep them in our minds. We can put those in our, our Bibles, on our refrigerator, so we can always reference those. And it's a, it's a good blessing. We're so thankful for her and Henriette's help on, on that. So I want to start off with this story. I, I like it. Uh, it fits well with what we're looking at here. It starts off with this lady. She's uh, driving through this snowstorm just outside of Denver, Colorado. Now, she was completely lost, struggling under the hazardous uh, weather conditions, and she was relieved though when she happened upon this snow plow. And since she was lost, she thought, well, you know, I'm just going to follow this snow plow as close to, as I can. And uh, he was removing the snow ahead of the road, so it worked out great. And at times, the, the blowing snow almost cut off her view, but she just kept following that huge truck. After some time though, Excuse me. After some time, the snow plow stopped. Driver got out of the truck. He came over to the car, knocked on her window, so she lowered it, and he said, "Lady, where are you trying to get to by following me?" And she said, "Well, I'm trying to get to Denver." Well, the snow plow driver replied, "You'll never get there following me. All I'm doing is plowing this parking lot." The lesson for us. Before we let others lead us, it would be helpful to know their direction and their destination. It is impossible for you and I to move forward together and hold one another accountable if we don't review what we are all about every once in a while. So, in order to clarify our goals and be reminded of God's expectations... We got those bookmarks made up. We got these this list we're going to take a look at, and uh, these these things will help remind us of the shared goals. So again, if you were with us two weeks ago, if you listened to the program here, or you were here at North Valley, then you know about the first six of the twelve that we've covered. And let me repeat those for you here. The first six were believe wholeheartedly, worship regularly, fellowship devotedly serve willingly, pray fervently, and give generously. I I wish I could say I I came up with this list, but I didn't. I'm stealing it from this elder uh, back east who put a lesson together on this. It was fantastic, and I thought it would be good for us to have it here at North Valley and on the radio program as well. But let's look at the second six set of our shared goals. And So the seventh shared goal is study diligently. Study diligently. Diligently. Now, I intentionally started the second six shared goals with this one because the shared focus on God's word is not only an extreme privilege, but it's also a sacred responsibility. It is impossible to really overemphasize the important place that God's word must have in each and every one of our lives. The importance of studying God's word diligently isn't just for spiritual leaders, but it's necessary for every person who wants to follow after God. And when it comes to spiritual leaders, I like the example of Ezra from the Old Testament. There in Ezra chapter 7, verse 6, the Bible says this about Ezra. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a scribe, skilled in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all he requested, because the hand of the Lord his God was upon him. Later on, verse 10. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, and to practice it, and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. Israel. Wow. How did Israel become well-versed in the law? Well, it didn't happen overnight, did it? Or by an immediate, immediate download from the cloud, although that'd be nice, but it doesn't work like that. It came from the fact that he devoted himself to the study and observance of the law. Ezra's ability to live and teach God's word came from diligently studying it. But the privilege and responsibility of studying diligently isn't just for spiritual leaders like Ezra. It involves every follower of God. So I like Acts 17.11 to convey this shared goal. It's talking about the Bereans. Acts 17.11 says, Now these noble Bereans... Now, now these Bereans were more noble minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. The Bereans examined the scriptures every day to make sure the things Paul was teaching were true. Each and every one of us have that, that responsibility to make sure the things we believe are true. We, we can't just give the excuse that we were just believing and following and teaching the teachings of our leaders. Don't rest your salvation on men. Rest it on the word of God. And that's why Paul gave Timothy these instructions in 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. We learn from that verse that being approved by God has to do with correctly handling God's word. To correctly handle God's word, well, we need to study it, don't we? We need to live it, teach it, know it. Because the studying of God's word is a shared goal we try to offer numerous opportunities for us to study here at North Valley. We have our Sunday morning Bible class. We have the Sunday morning serv- worship service, the Sunday evening worship service, the Wednesday night pew packers, Wednesday night Bible class. We have uh, the radio program that I'm doing here right now. We have studies here in in the building that you can take home. We have studies available online. You can call us and talk to us. We try to make ev- as many possibilities available Uh, as, as we can, because we know that's where the growth comes, is studying, getting to know the Word of God. And I would encourage all of us to participate in as many studies as we can, but even these group studies are not to take the place of our own personal reading and studying of God's Word. The only way that each of us will grow toward maturity and live a life that is pleasing to God is by committing our life to knowing and living and sharing God's word. So, let us embrace this shared goal of studying diligently. Okay? Number eight. Shared goal is to live purely. Live purely. This goal has always been a challenge for followers of God because the world has been an impure place for a long time, right? And we often think that the time when when we are living is, is this has got to be the worst of the worst of times, and it and it may be. But the truth of the matter is, we are called to strive toward holiness and purity, regardless. Of how evil and impure the world is around us. Even if things are going great, we need to be uh, holy and pure. If things are getting worse, we need to be holy and pure. If things are the worst they've ever been, we need to be holy and pure. It doesn't matter, right? Part of the challenge for us is the fact that all of us were and are sinners. And before we made the commitment to live a life of purity, many of us were living in Very unholy ways. That's why we we even see that in New Testament Scripture. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, where Paul writes, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formally walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formally lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Titus 3, verses 3 through 5. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another, but... When the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Both of those passages describe the, um, the depravity we had been in, but then they also point to God's work to forgive and to save us. Receiving salvation also involves a repentance and commitment to live differently, purely, right? Peter describes this new shared goal of purity in these in these words in 1 Peter 1. As, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves, also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy." In becoming Christians, each of us have made a commitment to strive toward God's holiness, and that is a tall order. Here's how Paul described the pure life in Ephesians 5. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints, and there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. You know, we could go on and on. I wish we could spend more time on all these shared goals, but you know, this is a review, it's an overview. We've got to get to all of them, so I need to move forward. But God wants us to be holy like he is. Now You may be thinking, oh, that's impossible. We're going to get to that as we get to the end. So stick with me. The ninth shared goal, love unconditionally. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. John 15, 13. Now last week we started out our list of shared goals with um, believe wholeheartedly, which was a, a great, excellent place to start because faith is so central to a Proper response to God. A second thing that is equally foundational to following God is love. In many ways, love is the answer to most of the questions we face in our lives. Jesus declared that the greatest commandment is to love God with all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls, and all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. In other places, Scripture also links loving God with loving others. 1 John 4.20 If someone says... I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. In the parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus communicated this truth in Matthew twenty-five forty. To the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Jesus was teaching that when we serve others by giving them what they need in their time of trouble, we are really doing it to the Lord himself. And Paul sums up what is most important when he wrote, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. There in Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. And from these verses, it is obvious that I think why I choose love as one of our shared goals. It should be obvious. But you might have noticed that I have that quali- qualify with love unconditionally. I did so because God's love for us is unconditional. God does not love us because we love him or because we are good or for any other reason than that God is love. Our love for others should be like God's love for us. It shouldn't. Be a love with conditions. Like, you know, I'll love you if you deserve it, or I'll love you if you love me back, or if you do good to me. No. Let's strive to be like God in how we unconditionally love all people. In a world of hatred and division, our unconditional love will stand out. That's why Jesus said, All people will know that you are my disciples if we love one another. Of course, let's keep in mind, That God's love, yeah, that's unconditional, but His approval and His favor have conditions. Not His love, but His approval and favor. Our tenth shared goal is to speak wisely. Whew, speak wisely. Not that long ago, I did a series on the use of our tongue, speaking words that heal and not hurt. And throughout that series, we learned that the Bible has a lot to say about the use of our tongues. And we learned just how powerful our tongues can be. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Our tongues have the potential to do much good and has the potential to do much harm. If we don't properly use our tongues, then our spiritual lives and effectiveness can be nullified. Here's how James puts it in James 1:26 If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this man's religion is worthless. One of the first steps to speaking wisely is to not speak too quickly or to not speak at all. That's what James is saying in James 1:19 to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Now, now in that passage, he's talking about the way we are toward the Word of God. But that same idea is found throughout Scripture. Proverbs 12:18, "There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing." Or Proverbs 10:19, "When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise." Proverbs 17, 28, Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. So wise speaking starts with not speaking at all, or not speaking too quickly. And once we have that part under control, then we need to learn how to speak wisely and appropriately. Ephesians 4, 29, great place to start. Let no unwholesome word Proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. What are unwholesome words? Well, the Webster's Dictionary defines it as detrimental to physical, mental, or moral well-being. So, unwholesome words tear people down, right? Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Our goal with our words shouldn't be that. It should be to build people up and to have people benefit from what we say. These are great guidelines for our speech at home, at work, at school, church, via electronic media, right? Facebook, Twitter, whatever it might be. In, the, in these turbulent times that we live in, we all, we all need this. We live in a time of divisiveness, so we need to speak wisely. Number 11 shared goal is to evangelize gracefully. All right, yeah, got to evangelize. When Jesus was criticized for trying to bring salvation to Zacchaeus, remember that guy, the tax collector in Luke chapter 19, and to the other sinners that were there at his home, Jesus said that he came to seek and save that which was lost. Our world's lost. People need Jesus more than ever. And Jesus was all about helping the lost be saved, even to the point of dying to make that possible. And he gave us these marching orders in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." So it is clear that our mission as Christians is to help other people become Christians. But I called this shared goal evangelize gracefully because evangelizing gracefully will help us to be more effective in saving the lost. Uh, Colossians 4 verses 5 through 6, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of Of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to how you should respond to each person. Notice that in that passage, wisdom is required in order to make the most of evangelizing opportunities. And notice that also that Paul talks of our conversation being graceful and seasoned with salt. Now, it may be truth that a person is hell-bound. But there are blunt ways to say that, and there are graceful ways to say that. You know, I I have uh, tried to help us understand that although we are to be light of the world and salt of the earth, but too much light is blinding, isn't it? And too much salt is distasteful. How do you know what to do or what to say or when to say it? Well, that's where wisdom comes in. Wisdom from the Word to help us to evangelize gracefully. You can see why. I I wish I had more time to go on each one of these a little bit more. Good stuff. Anyway, number 12. The final shared goal for us is to walk humbly. I think faith was a great place to begin. Humility is a great place to end. Pride will get us nowhere. We want to go, but humility will put us in the right place before God. Even if we are able to embody and to exemplify the first 11 of these shared goals, we will have missed the mark if we take pride in our great spiritual accomplishment. In the end, no matter how well or poorly we live up to the goals before us, we must remain humble before God. Throughout scripture, we're told over and over again that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I like the way Micah puts this in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He simplifies things. He says this, Micah 6, 8. the, The Lord has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. We must be humble in all ways, right? Toward God, toward others, and toward all things. And I want to leave a couple of concepts with you as we begin to close this examination of our shared goals out. The first concept has to do with a willingness to pay the price through practice. Sometimes people go up to, uh, you know, an accomplished musician and they may say, "I'd give anything" To play like that. What they really mean is this. I wish I could wake up tomorrow morning and be this instant success. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, we would all want that. We could just download it into our minds and we would have it and all's done. I don't want to practice. I want to skip ahead to the part where I'm awesome. Spiritual maturity and holiness are a lot like mastering an instrument. It takes what? many hours, years of practice. It doesn't happen overnight. Older, godly, mature Christians got that way through years of practice. So don't give up. Just keep practicing and striving toward these shared goals. The second concept I want to leave with you has to do with breaking the long-term goal into short-term ones. Think about trying to be successful at the game of bowling without seeing the pins. Could you imagine doing that? Well, in 1933, Bill Knox did just that. He bowled a perfect game without being able to see the pins down the lane. It was at the Philadelphia, one of the Philadelphia alleys, uh, 1933. Bill had a screen placed up just above the foul line, That would obscure his view of the rest of the lane, including the pins. His purpose was to demonstrate that the technique of spot bowling, which involves throwing uh, the ball at a selected mark on the floor near the beginning of the lane. So like many bowlers, Bill knew that you can do better if you aim at a mark close to you. That's in line with the pins. He proved his point with a perfect 300 game of 12 strikes in a row. I would encourage us to break the shared goals down into simple, practical, daily or weekly targets. As we build those small, simple, practical things into into our daily or weekly activities, then they become habits to build upon little baby steps right and if we grow more toward being like Christ because we can't do it overnight we'll never fully achieve that but we can break it down to more simple goals for instance the one on studying diligently take a look at what you're doing assess what what more uh, you should be doing or what you uh, or what should you be doing differently and, and make small changes Add a Bible class. Add a daily reading program. Maybe teach you know, one of the younger kids find something. When it comes to speaking wisely, start with an assessment of where your tongue is causing trouble. And start with a small step of eliminating a bad, destructive habit. And build on that. Whether you're at home, at work, at school, whatever it might be. Aiming at a closer target can help us to reach the larger, more distant target. It is my prayer that all of us will call upon God, cooperate with him in an effort to grow toward maturity in Christ. And I pray that these shared goals will help to shape us into the Christians and into the church that God wants us to be. So do that. And if you want, stop by here at the North Valley Congregation. Pick up one of these bookmarks. Come and join us. Learn and grow. Be the kind of person God wants you to be. And we can all do that together. So as always, I thank you for joining me here. Make the most of your opportunities. Redeem the time because the days are evil and tomorrow is not promised to us. So God's given us this time. And we should make the Sit boast it of it. Let's think about that as we bring continue throughout our day. Out, Thank you, out, and God bless.
0: Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty Son. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it, out, ring it, out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ